Hello and welcome to Foolishly Faithful episode 6. The date is March 16th, 2023. It's a sad day today in Mets land um, as we receive news today that our star closer Edwin Diaz has suffered a full thickness patellar tear in his right knee. He's receiving surgery today and initial reports have him out six to eight months, likely leaning eight months, and that all signs point to him missing the whole season. I feel like we got to jump right in, guys. How are we feeling about this news? I mean, despondent is probably the best word. You know, I I, I don't have worries. You know, it's such a letdown um, seeing that happen, you know, in the World Baseball Classic um, in a game that doesn't matter. But yeah, it hurts. It definitely hurts emotionally. How about, uh, yeah, what are you guys feeling? This sucks. <laughs> I mean, I think we're all feeling it. It's... I was watching the game live last night. I was like, oh, this is cool. We got Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, two big teams going. You know, Fox switched the broadcast from English to, and I had to watch it in Spanish on me just to finish the game out. Really exciting. Like Diaz is blowing the trumpets, you know, jogging in, striking out the side, and then just, uh, that's, yeah. And we all saw what happened next. I mean, just, just heartbreaking. I mean, this is. Usually we got to wait a few months for or something like this to happen, but this is just terrible. Hard to have words for that. Yeah. Uh, for me, like, I feel like it really hasn't like set in yet because like it hasn't really set in yet for me because I'm so desensitized from these kinds of things happening to the Mets that it's just like, all right, it's like any other off season you know, one of our best players going down and, you know, seeing what kind of injury it's going to be. And then boom, it's, yep, it's a big one. It's not like a sprain or anything. And I know, like, I went to plenty of games last year. And one of the only things that I wish that I saw for, aside from a win, was for a chance to Diaz come out, hear the trumpets. Like, I wish that we were in more situations, like, we were super close just to hear him coming into the game and now that that's just off the table for next year like i a little let down i'm i'm a lot let down and yeah, I, I, I kind of ask like myself like why do do these guys play in these games that don't really mean much i think that's a perfect segue into i guess the question is anybody to blame you know do, do you ray feel like the world baseball classic is to blame or just him for himself for celebrating like that not that it looked very raucous you know but um i i don't know like i don't want to point fingers but like at the end of the day if he wasn't in that specific game like this injury wouldn't happen and i saw like an interview that like brandon nimmo had, had i think it was a couple weeks ago where he said something to the effect of like hey like it'd be nice to play for like team America and, you know, represent my country, but my number one priority is the Mets and winning a world series. And like, I didn't really take too much stock in that when I heard that a few weeks ago, but you know, today it rings a lot louder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, listen, I, I think, well, first of all, let me just say I'm gutted. It's Diaz is was probably my favorite player from last year um just so electric so entertaining just just so dominant on the mound um but as for anyone to blame I, I don't think i can really blame anyone it's just it seemed like such a freak injury 
Um, and I think we can talk about, you know, World Baseball Classic, where our players' priorities, but or how much intensity we're playing with. But it's an injury that occurred after the game, right? They're celebrating a win. Um, it wasn't a reckless celebration, as Steve mentioned. It wasn't, you know, I he wasn't jumping off the dugout. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't stomping on home plate. It was like a small little pile. It was, pile, is, pile is not even what it was. It was just people gathering there kind of jumping up and down a little bit. Um, and he just, I guess, landed weird. Um, but you know, these are world-class athletes. We watch these players slide head first. We watch them throw their arms out. We watch them run around the bases full speed. We watch them lay out in the outfield. It's crazy to think that this magnificent athlete just completely threw away a whole year of his career. Not through, but not, not, it wasn't his fault. He just jumped up and down a little bit and he tore this, this, uh, this tendon or this muscle, um, so whether it's World Baseball Classic or spring training or April baseball or October baseball, it's just one of those things that is a really unlucky and unfortunate injury. What do you think, Steve? I, though not maybe not fair, but I do blame the World Baseball Classic. I don't put the blame on Diaz um, necessarily, but obviously it's a freak injury and like so many Mets injuries seem to be. <laughs> Um, was but you know, he was, he was, like you said, he was injured celebrating. He wasn't even playing the game as he got injured. And, but I think Scherzer hit on it earlier this week that why he doesn't participate in the world baseball classic is that he feels it's a lot to ask his body to go into essentially a playoff atmosphere before he's even warmed up in spring training. Um, I think that putting your body through intensity like right off the bat. And I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think Diaz played in the winter league. So he, he wasn't warm already. Like a lot of athletes may be coming into this, but this is basically his spring training and he's in a playoff atmosphere. So he's going to give it his all. I'm sure, you know, he's an intense guy when he gets on the mound. Uh, and I think that doing that risks your body, uh, which, you know, kind of the sentiment that Scherzer said, like he's gambling with his arm is what he, Scherzer said about himself, not about Diaz. Um, and I, you know, I think Diaz gambled with his health uh, going into a t- situation like that. And unfortunately for everybody involved, he, he lost it. And it's maybe that's unfair. Um, you know, I don't think most players would feel that way, but that, that's how I'm feeling at this moment. How about you, David? I mean, it's weird, right? Like it's, I understand the whole point of, you know, spring training and he's not warmed up and all this is, was his spring training, but, I mean, he pitched fine. He struck out the side. I mean, he wasn't like how much little jumps, you know, the little jumps that he did, like how much is that really affected by not having a spring training and not being warmed up? It's not like he really was like trying to feel the bunt and it was a weird hop and he like twisted his ankle or something. It's it's not like he like landed weird or did anything. I mean, he was just kind of like just celebrating. I didn't see any, it really wasn't a clear shot of the injury. So like, yeah, it is like, okay, like I can understand like if they're not warmed up and stuff, but this wasn't even, I don't even see how this could be a warmed up and been training extensively and playing baseball for a while. This seemed just like a fluke. I don't know if he landed on someone or anything like that. Like, I don't really see how this would be any different any other time of the year. The other time of the year, the game would have mattered. I mean, but who's to say what matters to, to these players, right? I mean, this is, this game was a Puerto Rico DR game that was a winner go home. Um, and 
I mean, you know, as as we all know, baseball in the Caribbean is very competitive, and it brings a lot of energy. Um, Big rivalry. Watch you watch the you watch the the stands. People are going crazy. Um, And I think, you know, as for the 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 point about Scherzer or Nemo not playing for for Team US, um, I, I don't know. I think like there's always been some weird part of American sports on world stages that somehow we like don't get our best players or people aren't invested. And it's kind of a weird dynamic. I think about the world cup, world baseball, classic, the Olympics sometimes, but um, all that to say that I think the world baseball classic means a lot more to players from different countries than it does to American players. Yeah. Just to add on to that, Eric, like I saw something crazy. I didn't realize apparently the Japan versus South Korea game had 62 million viewers and the World wow. Series this past year had an average of 12 million viewers for each game. So that's like just about sixfold more people watching that one game that wasn't even the quarterfinals game. It was just like in the still in the pool, you know, like yeah, in the in the pool portion of it. Like that's that's crazy to me. I mean, yeah, I understand that like the games don't matter. It's not like the World Series, not the regular MLB season, but I mean, it's that's more of the world series than like it's a world competition i mean that's i don't realize to what extent like the world was watching this competition i, and I think to eric's point you're you know you're kind of right who's to say who matters what matters right like that game did matter to the players and and the people in puerto rico and the dominican republic um even though it doesn't matter to mets fans maybe <sighs> it'd be interesting to see going forward will managers i don't know if i don't know how the contract and stuff work if managers and owners can say no you can't go but it'll be interesting if they they will do that if there will be something in there that if if steve cohen's gonna say if anyone who's making more than 10 million dollars a year like no they're not allowed to go i mean i don't know if there's gonna be a price point on that but i feel like that's gonna change in the future well does that does that change anything now there's like lindor and alonzo and mcneil come back home like why risk playing over there when you could be playing spring training with your team? That's a good question. I I, I don't know what the three of them are going to do. I or I mean, and and Escobar too. Or my, my, what about my, or Adovino. another reliever on the Mets. So yeah. speaking of Adovino, that's a good way to segue. Is uh, who's going to replace Diaz? Who's our closer going into the season now? You know, Diaz. Was irreplaceable. I mean, like the way, you know, his his stats show it, his electricity, the feeling that when he came into the game, it, it's not replaceable by any player, but who will be our closer going into 2023? It's I mean, Otto is good, but something just doesn't strike me about a closer. He's just a little too like I mean, his his slider is so good, but it's it's almost like his it's kind of like a gimmick for him. I feel um, it's just, he has this big loopy slider that hooks away from people. And I think you need someone, at least I like my closers to be flamethrowers and really just gas it up or to have the poise to just to, to calm it down. So maybe I would look to, um, uh, you know, our, our bullpen pitchers who have had experience closing games before. Um, and I think Otto probably has some, but I'm thinking maybe Robertson has some saves under his belt um, over the past over his career. So maybe we try to rely on someone who's done it in the past. Yeah. Adovino was a closer back in the day a little bit. He has is 157 saves over his career, which is more than it's that. Good amount. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I think that David Robertson definitely is, is a chance there. He does have a ton of saves himself. I think he has 157 saves, actually. Um, and, you know, but Adovino, I think, is probably the first choice. Maybe that's a committee between him and Robertson. Uh, but Adovino, he had a two ERA last year. Robertson had around a three ERA, a two and a half ERA last year. So we still have really good bullpen pieces. Um, but yeah, it's not Diaz. No. We no, will have to see. Place those trumpets. Um, you know, I think it you guys make sense. Adovino and Robertson are like in contention. But I see Adovino being more as a setup guy and Robertson sliding more to the closer role. Um, if you want to like get crazy, like you know, maybe like moving one of like your starters into like one of those positions and like splitting the action at closer between the two. Like we already know that Peterson and McGill are doing pretty well in spring training and they're making a contention for like one of the like starting roles. Um crazy take like i know it's probably not going to happen but like you know sango would be a really good you know closer you know he's got good repertoire and good strength but we definitely want him more as a starter but you know that's just a crazy take there you know obviously like can't just put anybody in the closer role yeah i think yeah that's an interesting point there is obviously precedent for putting starters in that closing role um schmaltz made a career out of it um but I, I, th- I think Senga is probably here to start at first, at least, unless something happens that, you know, they feel like he's given more longevity in the, in the relief role. But I, I wouldn't imagine they would do that right off the bat. Although, like you said, he throws gas. It's kind of that stereotypical closer role that Eric was talking about. Um, yeah. It, it was crazy take, crazy take. Like, I don't expect that to ever happen, but it's just like I could see with his pitch repertoire and like his speed, like he would be good in that role but definitely much better as a starter and he takes go at this point honestly <laughs> we need we need we need all the hope we can get because i don't know having him out for this season is just it's a lot of despair right now not to say we sign anyone immediately but you know, steve cohen has a lot of money is there anyone available or even at the trade deadline you know looking forward is there anyone that would be we could you know, make a trade or take someone. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm actually really, I'm glad you brought up Steve Cohen because I think I'm actually really curious to see how he handles the whole situation. Right. I mean, I think clearly he's a big fan of Diaz, right. Diaz wants to be a Met Diaz signed the contract right, right into free agency. Um, there's a lot of faith in him. You know, he just paid this guy a hundred million dollars. Um, and now he's not going to play his first year and he's effectively paying $20 million for, for an empty, roster spot so i'm curious to see how it plays out does steve say shit that was a lot of money but we need to go win we're in such a good situation this year we need to just stay with it does he i don't know i'm very curious to know what the reaction was i'm very curious to hear how he handles it um i hope it's i hope it's good though that's all you know zach Britton is actually having a showcase uh i think next week and report is that the mets are gonna send somebody to watch him so he would be a really interesting signing uh he obviously has a lot of experience playing with buck showalter he has a lot of trust with him he played you know he very famously saved him for the close in a playoff game that never got to a save situation (laughs) um 
But Britain is recovering from Tommy John surgery himself. He tried to come back last year and wind up getting hurt again. Uh, so if he's healthy, he'd be a great addition, right? He's a lefty. Uh, before his injury, he had two seasons in a row, 19 and 20, where he pitched under a two ERA. Um, obviously, you know, 2020 was a shortened season, so he only had you know 20, 25 innings that year. Um, but, you know, he's – have, he has a huge history of success and a history of Buckshaw Walter. Um, so he, he would be a good addition, I think, if he were if he looks good and not injured during his showcase. Well, here's another crazy take for you. Matt Harvey's been pitching pretty well for Italy. <laughs> and, you know, there was a time in Mets history where Happy Harvey Day was a big thing. And maybe the Dark Knight Rises in Queens once again. <laughs> This is the second episode in a row we're talking about Matt Harvey. I think that is a crazy take, Ray. You are correct about that. <laughs> Mike Piazza pitching, uh, managing him. You know, they're hanging out in the dugout. Maybe they're, you know, reminiscing about what, what could have been. What could have been. That, that would be the best Batman comic story arc ever. <laughs> Mike Piazza gets, gets the Dark Knight back into shape and sends him back, back to fight crime. <laughs> I, I swear that was a plot of one of the Christian Bale movies, right? <laughs> oh man. Well, we will we will get into World Baseball Classic and former Mets in the World Baseball Classic later on in the second half. Um but I don't know. I'm still I'm still not over talking about Diaz, sadly, because he's <laughs> just been it's been rocking my world all day. Um, we had injuries like this in baseball before. Like I I don't recall hearing like a patellar tear taking out a pitcher like this before. Does anybody remember anybody? Not in this fashion, at least. The the thing that that came to mind for me was um, Marion Rivera in 2012. Um, it was like pregame, and he was shagging balls in the outfield, and I think he tore his ACL or he tore his MCL. Hmm. And he, he had right. He had it was the beginning of the season, so he had threw some innings already, but he ended up missing the whole season. Uh, and this was in 2012, so he was 42 years old. Uh, and then he came back the next year for his final season, age 43, and threw a 2.11 ERA or something of something low like that. So, obviously, Marion is an all time great. Um, I like to think Edwin Diaz is an all time great as well. Maybe not to that level yet, but I think he has good enough stuff to be able to come back and, um, and really still dominate. Um, but I can't think of anything Patellar. <laughs> Yeah, and also, I mean, knees knees are 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 an interesting place for a pitcher to get injured too, right? It's not like it's not an arm, uh, right. it's not it's not a shoulder, it's not a not a side, and we can just name every Jacob Degrom injury from the past <laughs> years. Um, it's none of those. It's something on, uh, I guess it's his plant leg because he's a righty. Um, it would be his uh, it would be his drive leg actually. Drive leg, excuse me, plant yeah, is, is on, the on... left leg. Right. right. Unfortunately, it's his drive leg, which I think is worse in this case. This is worse. Yeah, because you got to push off of it. Right. Um, but I mean, at the same time, you know, his his motion is, you know, he's a tall, lanky guy. He kind of slings it. So, I mean, every pitcher needs to use needs to use their legs, but he's not like a he's not like a cinder guard or something like you know someone who's like a just gonna gas it up and you know throw downhill. He's more of like a kind of whips it in. So maybe that helps him in his recovery. Who's to say? Um, I don't know, but I, you know, I, I worry if he'll ever be the same too. You know, it's, that's my doomer Mets fan, um, in me is, you know, is, 
it's just like the timing of it and everything coming off the all-time great season, coming off the big contract, and then a freak injury. It's like you hope he bounces back and he has a stellar season, but there's a part of me that's just very scared. Any chance that he comes back in like the playoffs of the World Series or I think there's a small chance, but it it, it seems unlikely based on what they're saying. All right. I definitely don't want to rush him back, but you know, that would be pretty sweet to see. I would love to see Diaz close out a World Series game. That that's that's my all time dream. I think the kind of shitty thing is that last time we heard the trumpets blast, the Mets were down by a bunch of runs in the third game of the wild card series so i think it was only padres fans celebrating in city field with the trumpets so we didn't even get a good last trumpets i heard it yesterday and the puerto rico team had it going and he i guess it's his song he was playing <laughs> it and you know it really really brought some feels in you know just for a second i was like really getting hyped really got emotional i was like all right this is our guy i remember what that feeling was like and just ripped ripped right from you <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 pretty hard. Um, but again, I mean, listen, Mets injuries are nothing new. <laughs> you know, I mean, we've been as Mets fans, we as Mets fans, we've dealt with pretty shitty injuries um, our whole time. Uh, where do you guys think this ranks in terms of Mets injuries throughout history? Is this one of the worst? Feels like one of the worst. I think. I'm sorry, David. Go ahead. No, you go, Steve. I think that in terms of like impact to the team it's pretty bad right i mean he closes out the games he makes it an eight inning game instead of a nine inning game um in terms of ridiculous injuries that mets players have i don't even know if it makes cracks the top 10 i mean uh getting hurt while celebrating is is pretty messy um is it the same as getting a bladder infection from holding in your pee uh, like harvey <laughs> is it the same as getting uh salmonella from undercooking your chicken like nimmo um didn't like Cindergard get like Coxsackie virus, like hoof and mouth disease or something crazy? Like it's definitely not as bad as any of the Cespedes injuries, like the <laughs> one where he where he tore his ankle on his boar farm or whatever that was. <laughs> well, Ruben Tejada, that was you know not his own fault. That one sucked. That was in the middle of the of the playoff run. Yeah, that felt really devastating at the time. I remember seeing that and losing my mind. There have been some pretty bad Mets injuries, <laughs> so I think, I think we'll, we'll be able to, to hold on. That was all just in, like, the last 10 years that we just named. Keep no, going. What about David Wright? Like, do you consider that, like, long-term one? Like uh, That, that I think, might be the most devastating injury in Mets history, actually, you know, when you say it like that. Like, if we, if we like, talk about it collectively, it's it's pretty bad. Because, I mean, it was – remember, that was – it was even before the spinal stenosis with Wright. I mean, he had some – tough injuries he had the one where he got beamed in the head by matt kane in san francisco that's right oh my god that was that was hard to watch that one um yeah or any of i mean any of our start i mean the johan injuries near the end of his career all of those um i just hope you know obviously with the investment that the cones have made in the team and trying to keep people healthy that there is like a real re rehabilitation process and like the health is just way more important to recovering players um than it was in the past the Wilpons. It was just maybe just get better. Um, okay, I think I think we might be tapped from talking about Diaz. I'll just be we, sad for the rest of the night if we do. Yeah, we, we could probably spend the next hour <laughs> talking about Diaz. But well, should we talk about the other injuries that that our our yeah, Metsies are facing? 
Before we go to that, I would just like to say, as we're talking David Robertson, apparently he missed the NLDS last year because he was celebrating a Bryce Harper home run. So similar reliever, he was back for the rest of the world, rest of the playoffs last year, but similarly injured on celebrating. So <laughs> unfortunate. Injuries, injuries, injuries. I wish, I wish every player could be healthy all the time, but um yeah, it's sad that, you know, injuries are just part of this game, and that's why you have a roster with depth. Seems like a larger part for the Mets game than other teams for some reason. but Sometimes. <laughs> Definitely sometimes. Um, well, at least one of our players who was a little bit injured in the past couple of weeks has come back to form. Um, Kodai Senga took the mound after missing his past start or two. Um, he was suffering some tendonitis in his finger, and... You know, he said in to the media that if it was during the season, he would just pitch through it, but they wanted to take it easy. Um, but today he came back and pitched three innings, allowing just one run. It's a pretty big relief to hear that he's pitching, you know, regardless of what his what he what he came out in his stat line. It was great. It's great that he's pitching again. He had five strikeouts. Pretty good. Um well, one of our other starters though will be out for longer. Um, as we found out this week, Jose Quintana, our lefty, has suffered or has developed or has been dealing with a rib lesion. Um, and he is projected to be out for three months. So it's about till June, maybe July. Um, that one also hurts a little bit because we lose a, a, a veteran lefty arm. Um, so maybe we swing it over to, to Peterson. Um, and then, yeah. Keep going. Sorry. And then lastly, uh, we have our reliever, Bryce Montes de Oca, who has been dealing with some hurt too. That uh, uh, Forearm strain, I think they're calling it. Luckily, they're saying no uh, structural damage, apparently. But maybe he's still going to be out for at least a couple of weeks, it looks like. Okay. Um, and then, you know, he, he's not injured and he's playing now, but uh, Marte missed a day last week because he got beamed in the head. Um Yes, the baseball just keeps finding the mess. It doesn't stop. <laughs> I think Verlander got hit with a comeback um, comeback ball at one point. Um, he stayed in. He like threw. He like shook him off the trainers. You know, they looked at him and but just more more hits. The hits keep coming, as they say. They don't stop coming. Well, again, I mean, I think that the you know it's important. It's been it's been important to the organization to build depth. Um, so, you know, even with the two horses at the top of the rotation, Verlander Scherzer, if one of them has to go out for a bit, someone else can pick it up. And we, we, we saw that a little bit last year um, when Scherzer went down. The Mets did not play as well, but they were able to hold their own. Um, I remember our three and four guys stepped up when they needed it. Um, so, you know, good teams find a way to fill in the gaps. Um, so we'll fill in the gaps for Quintana. We'll fill in the gaps for Senga if he has to miss more time. And God willing, we'll fill in the gaps for Edwin Diaz. Because winning teams just deal with the bad situation. That's right. I mean, hopefully, you know, like, we, they, like we've talked about earlier, the NL East is going to be competitive this year. So every game is going to matter when we get down to it at the end. Um, hopefully we stay afloat and keep the ship going until our guys can get back or in lieu of having Diaz or whatever it might be. Um, like you said, injuries are part of the game and for the Mets, it's going to keep coming. <laughs> At least it feels that way. 
Yeah. And I'm, and, and other teams in the NL East are also dealing with injuries too, right? Like Harper for the Phillies is out until July at least. I mean, talk talk about the talk about being the heart of the lineup, like and being that's a huge blow for them. Um, I mean, two years ago, the Braves won the World Series and Acuna tore his ACL like two months into this into the season, and he was out for the season. So there's hope. There's hope for the team as a whole, but it's just it's hard to see a good guy like Edwin get that injured. That's fair. Those are all pretty comparable, but it just. Those aren't the Mets, you know. It sucks a lot more when it's your team, you know. <laughs> really, uh, <laughs> those are like, I feel like the Harper one, like we knew that for months going in. That's like, true. I don't know. I guess Lacuna's a little. I guess that's more comparable. But like, this was like the season's about to start. Like we've been doing this podcast, you know, like watching spring training games, like getting hyped for the season, and just like pull the rug right out from under us. Yeah. All right, so I guess with that, we're going to step back and take our first break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the Mets over the week that weren't injured uh, and some of our World Baseball Classic players and maybe recap some of the World Baseball Classic itself. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the second half of our show. Um, In this half, we'll be talking about the World Baseball Classic, uh, some Mets recaps from the past week, and... But first, we're going to start off with a little trivia, trivia from Steve, who will give us a question. So, yeah, we gotta do, uh, we'll got to. we see if we do this going forward, but we got our first trivia question, and it's going to be about home runs and the beginning of a season. So two players in baseball history have had a home run in their first step out of the season three years in a row. One of them is Ken Griffey Jr., one of the all-time home run hitters of all time. The other one is a New York, was a New York Met. Um, I guess was a New York Met is a good uh, hint. He is no longer a New York Met. So with that, I think we'll just go into it and then uh, we'll come back to the trivia question at the end, give everybody time to think about it and we'll get into it. So so clarification, uh, first at bat of the season, three years in a row? The player's first at bat of the season, three years in a row. Okay, so it doesn't have to be opening day. It could be any time during the season. Doesn't have to be opening day. Oh, okay. Doesn't have to be the first at bat of the season. That player is first at bat. And three years in a row. Three years in a row. All right. Wow. Oh, okay. Huh. So theoretically, Brett Beatty could be gunning for that trivia spot now. That is true. Brett Beatty has one home run in his first at bat one season in a row. We'll see what happens on his next his first at bat of this season. This, this seem this feels like a like a Jordani Valdes being sleeper pick to me, but I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lock that in just yet. Wow, well, he uh, he is number one. He is number one. He is the man right now. I am the man. We, we will come back to it. Um, with that, let's go like move in. Re- quick recap of the week uh, since our last podcast, the Mets have gone two and six in spring training, two and seven if you're gonna count their loss to Venezuela in their game in you know, their. Uh, warm-up game where they have to face Escobar and um, Omar Nevarez. Um, but let's talk about the players first. The players, we are going to do a studs and duds of the week. Well, I guess we'll start out with the duds. Uh, Eric, who do you got for a dud this week? The duds. duds. It's not good to be a dud, you know. It's hard because, I, you know, I like all these guys. But, you know, when people are disappointing, they're disappointing. Um, That's don't lie. My dud for this week is um, Francisco Alvarez. Um, it pains me to put him on here, but, um, in the past week, let's see, he's played, 
He played March 10th, March 12th, March 13th, March 14th, and today, March 16th. Um, he's had 10 at-bats, um, and he's had one hit. I'm sorry, two hits, one RBI. Um, and he is batting 176 through spring training. Um, this is not great. There's obviously, again, he's contending with the pressure of being the number one prospect. He's contending with the pressure of having come up last year, not doing much. Um, he's contending, you know, to try to get a roster spot or where is he going to start in AAA in the majors? I get it, but it's not what you want to see. You want to see this, this man swinging the bat and you want to see him playing well. And, you know, it's maybe they're trying to pace him out and maybe he'll get better. Maybe now that Nervais is playing world baseball classic, he'll get some more reps, but it's not a good feeling when our guy who's supposed to be the future and supposed to be our power savior almost is not really producing. Um, so I really hope he turns up in the last couple of weeks of spring training or last week. I don't know how many games we have left, like maybe 10 days worth. Um, but yeah, he's, he's the dud of the week for me. I hope he plays better and I hope, you know, he, it, I hope he's, I hope he starts showing the promise that he, that we all thought he had. How about you, David? For duds, I'm going to go Mauricio. I feel like he started hot, but he was batting. 125 this past week so not too great two hits 16 at bats um i mean he started hot i feel like our first podcast we're like oh this guy he's buffed up he's got a couple home runs he's hitting bombs we really thought yeah well i mean one of his two hits was a home run but yeah he's just uh Seems like he's slowing down. That's just for this week, you know. I mean, I saw some pitching. Like, I don't want to start giving out like duds to like someone who threw like two, three innings for the week. That's kind of tough. So, I don't know. Spring training is kind of hard to give like a dud to at least, but I'll give it to Mauricio for now. Quick note that home run that he did hit is the longest of spring training so far. I believe it traveled 458 feet. So, he, he is a stud as a person, even though he's a dud this week. Home run derby. You gotta hit the ball though. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing I'm being a fan. Yeah, 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 no, I'm not arguing with David. He's done this week, but he's a stud. Four, four strikeouts and you know 25% of his bats are strikeouts. Fair enough. Fair enough. How about you, Ray? Um, gonna kind of tail David with one of the young guns this spring training, and Mark Fiantos is my dud of the week. Like I feel like Mark Fiantos. Uh, Striking out 18 times is not really uh best thing. 18 times in really... spring training? 18 times in the last 44 at-bats. Yeah, it's 18 times this week, not even spring training. That's, no, no, that's, this... all, that's all of spring training. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There'll be a lot of at-bats for one week. <laughs> that's, um, that's a good point. It's still a lot. It's still like far too many that we'd like to see. Yeah. How about yeah. you, Steve? Who's your dud? I'm going to go with um, Tony Pham. No, I'm kidding. Tommy Pham. Um, I'm going to go with Tommy Pham. He's also been struggling this week. Uh, he's brought his spring batting average down to 133. Um, eight strikeouts and 30 at-bats. Not looking good for Pham. I'm going to stick with my uh, prediction that LeCastro winds up as our fourth outfielder with that speed. He's still killing the ball right now. Maybe they've you know committed to Pham um, as a major league deal and LeCastro's in the minors and doesn't happen, but I'm going with Fam as my dud of the week. <laughs> so I guess um, I'm sorry. Fam. No, I feel like it says something at least a little bit that 
we're picking, you know, at least Ray and I picked these young guys or so, you know, Eric as well. I mean, they're clearly getting at bats in there. Like they're clearly like trying, they have the pedigree at least to like be in there and playing every day. I mean, something to, I guess the other people are at the world baseball classic and whatnot, but like they're in here playing, like they're giving them a fair shot at least. So they're That's getting fair. their bats in. All right, let's move on to studs of the week. Yeah, yeah, studs of the week. What do we got? Let me start us off with someone who you just mentioned, who is Tim LaCastro. He's my stud of the week. Um, He is fighting for this roster spot. He he understands that he has something to bring, and that's the speed and and you know taking more bases, and that's what he's doing. Um, He has had sixteen at bats. um, I'm sorry, thirteen at bats in the past week. He's had. Two, three, six hits. Um, sorry, 13 at bats, six hits over 13 at bats. Hmm. Um, he's had a couple RBI, he's had a couple stolen bases, including one today versus the Nationals. Um, he's also had a sacrifice fly. So he's putting the ball in play and he's making his presence felt. Um, and I as we've been saying for the past few weeks on the podcast, I think he's 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 kind of gunning for that Jankowski role. Um, kind of that utility outfielder who has the speed. And can make it happen on the base pass and and move and move some runners along. So he's my start of the week. I hope he keeps it up. How about you, David? I'm gonna give it to David Peterson. Um, you know, maybe I'm just biased because I was able to catch that spring training game he started and you know, I was able to watch him, but he looked good. He threw four scoreless innings and hitless innings. Sorry. And yeah, one walk, five strikeouts. I don't know, not bad to start a game off. I think uh, McGill pitched the day before. Don't have it sets off a heat. Miguel also pitched great the day before, but Peterson, you know, I guess they're bo- talking both of those two of the top ones to take Quintana's spot. Spot and Peterson goes in there and he throws four hitless innings. Uh, looks like he also had two other scoreless innings earlier this week. Score, sorry, hitless innings as well earlier this week. So yeah, six hitless innings just this week for Peterson. That's pretty solid. Yeah, that's crazy. How about you, Ray? Um, I'm gonna go with Verlander. You know, definitely giving us bang for his buck that we paid for. You know, very happy about that signing and what he's showing us in spring training. Really, you know, gives me confidence that we're gonna have a ace in the lineup to back up Scherzer now that Degrom's gone. That's a great pick, and I, I love what he said after the game that he didn't feel like he was totally on and that he like needed work. <laughs> he had an incredible game and he still felt like it wasn't right, which is a great attitude to have. It's drive. Right. Um, I'm going to go with my stud of the week as Tomas Nito. Nito Tomas King. Nito. He is fighting for more playing time. You know, Mets obviously brought in um, Omar Navias to kind of do that like lefty righty cat split a catcher and Alvarez is breathing on his heels too. But Nito is taking the opportunity while Navarez is in the World Baseball Classic to crush the ball. I think he has two or three home runs this week and a couple doubles, and he's batting like 350 for spring training. Um, You know, not for nothing. I think he won a batting title when he was in the minors too. He can hit when he's hitting. And if we can get even like average production out of him as a hitter from the catching spot, that'd be fantastic. But he's my shot of the week. Hopefully we get that hit. Last year he wasn't hitting too well. I don't think that, well, that's true. We catch him as a black hole last so year. We get a bat coming out of him this year, but might be like great for us. Nito at the end of last year, 
I, I think in like September, like he really started showing some power. He was really, he was really putting the drive into the ball. I remember he would he would hit these doubles to the wall in Miami, um, and I think he has that in him. But I don't know if it's something he just needs to get sort of like in midseason form. He needs to get more reps in, but he's got the power and he's he comes up clutch sometimes too. Um, so I'm not I'm not I'm not all too down on Nito's bat. Um, I would like to see how Nerv- how Narvaez does as well, though. I don't, I, I can't really speak to his offense at this point. I had him on my uh, fantasy team like, like a couple years ago, and he was he was hot and cold. Narvaez or Nito? Narvaez. I can't say that I watched too many of his games though, so I'm just going off of fantasy baseball at this point. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh... That's our studs and duds. Uh, let's move on, I guess. Then uh, how about the, we're going to talk about the World Baseball Classic this week, a recap of kind of what went on and some of the, form, the current former Mets players and how they've been faring. So I think, yeah. um, was it Ray already mentioned one uh, former Mets player that's been faring pretty damn well in the World Baseball Classic, and that's uh, Matt Harvey for Team Italy. Um, the Dark Knight has, has, has risen, um, not as a New York Met but for the Italian national team and who have, which is of course managed by Mets legend, Mets hall of famer, Mets <laughs> icon, Mike Piazza. It's great. I love it. Do you think, do you think he's pitching well enough to, to earn him to earn a, uh, a major league roster spot now? Uh, consideration. Yeah. I Let's think, I think he, I think he will. I think so many teams are starved for pitching and he has shown some good stuff in some stiff competition. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I do think that he, that is going to earn him a spot. Yeah, Somewhere. I don't know. I'm I don't think he's going to be closer, steps. but. <laughs> Which team do you think is most likely to have an espresso machine in the dugout? Well, let's see if uh, he ends up there. Who's that? Or, I mean... It's got to be the Mariners, right? That. Seattle is such a, a hipster town. It's... Do you think we'll have this, they'll have good espresso in, in the dugout? Yeah, it is. Um, let's see. Let's pull up the Mr. Harvey. So he he had a 1.9 ERA during the World Baseball Classic. Uh, let's see. His last game against the Netherlands, he pitched four innings of one-run ball, three strikeouts. Um, he's not the flamethrower he was, obviously. He's, he's lost a couple ticks on his fastball. Um, but he's maybe learning to become an effective pitcher in the world baseball class, you know, um, without, without that. I I mean, I would love to see him develop. And that's the amazing thing about baseball. And even I think more amazing about pitchers is that your game can develop so much over the course of your career. Like once your body realizes that it can't do what what it used to do to be successful, you can make adjustments and you can still find ways to get out and to get strikeouts. Um, like you look at, I think about like Bartolo Colon, when he came up, he was throwing a hundred miles an hour. He was just gassing it in there. Um, and by the time he was playing with the Mets in 15 and 16, um, he was throwing like 90, 92, 91 on his fastball, but he was just, he would dot, he would dot it. And he just, he knew his location and he knew how to put, like get the ball on the ground for, for, to get outs. So if Harvey can find that adjustment in him, I really do wish him the best. I I think that he could be like one of those players. Like you mentioned in Bartolo coming in like later on in his career. Like I think that Harvey could come in and just, you know, really showcase some of the stuff that he had 
dialed back a little bit, but with more command because that was the only thing we struggled with was his command. And when you think about his like legacy, it was one inning that really like tore it all up. Like if it wasn't for like that bottom of the ninth, I mean the the ninth inning of that World Series game, he would have been a hero. And you know, give him a second chance. Let the dark night rise again. You know, I I don't know to me if that's what tarnished his legacy. That was him being a gamer and doing everything he could. Um, you know, that to me that's more on Terry Collins for not taking him out of the game at that point. Um, you know, the manager is supposed to be the adult in the room. The player is always going to be want to go out, willing to go back out there for another inning. But to me, it was the, the off the field stuff that really tarnished his image in New York, at least. But I do hope for the best for him. I hope he, I hope he comes back and to MLB and become learn to be an effective pitcher, whether it's for the Mets or anybody that's not in our division. I no, I, I totally agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, seeing him on, seeing him in the World Series, just owning the moment that was. That was that was great to see him rise to that after all, all that he had been through and the injury and everything. Um, we'll miss him. Well, I guess we'll miss we'll miss those days. Um, <laughs> but there was a very cool moment when Italy was playing Cuba in the World Baseball Classic in the pool stage. Matt Harvey faced off against another uh, Mets I- icon. I, I I'm, I'm comfortable using the word icon. I, icon I, think, have... I think you can call him icon. Yeah, there's different connotations, but faced off faced off against Mets, Mets icon Yoenna Cespedes, um, who we did mention earlier about his boar farm. But um, Cespedes has been playing for Cuba, and then he has not been, as I'm <laughs> as I've as I've been informed that he's no longer playing with Team Cuba. Is that right, David? Yes. One. <laughs> yeah, he left for personal reasons. So not sure what that is. Not sure if that's another boar incident, but. Personal reasons. Oh, I wonder if he told the team or if he just ghosted them. <laughs> I mean, it Great seems question. very. It, it seems very possible he just left because that seems like what he does. <laughs> he only had six at bats okay. in two games, so um, and he had no hits. So that also feels like it could be part of a, a UN assessment thing where he's just not playing well. He's just like, I'm, I'm done. I need to get. I need to bounce. Yeah, Apparently, in a statement, he said he might rejoin the team if Cuba reaches the semifinals in Miami. So, <laughs> go wow. so it sounds like his personal reason was that he wanted to go to the beach in Miami. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> I believe. Oh no, Japan beat Italy. Okay, so Japan That's just right. beat Italy, yeah, went to the semifinals, right. and Italy actually didn't face... beat Cuba during uh, during uh, pool play with uh, four shutout innings from Matt Harvey, actually. Is the guy, um, well, yeah. He I mean, if Cuba, just a spy, you know, Cuba <laughs> would face Cuba would face Japan in Miami. Um, okay, that that'd be a great game. Um, be a great I think Cuba beat Australia in the the first round. Yes, yes, eked by as far as I saw. I think they won by a run. Um, who else? Is I think any any classic? game Cuba in Miami, Cuba versus anyone in Miami for the finals would probably oh. be outrageously crazy. It would That's probably be. That's it would probably be amazing if they played there. Yeah, that, um, that would be fun to watch. Just against Japan, too. Japan coming in as, like, a visiting team playing in, like, in Miami with basically against a home crowd yeah. of Cuban people. That would be pretty nuts. Um, so, yeah, Cespedes, Harvey. There's a few other stragglers of, of former Mets who are playing in the World Baseball Classic. One of my all-time favorites, Ruben Tejada, um, played for Panama, 
Tampa has obviously been eliminated at this point, but he had a he had a good little run. He had played four games, fifteen at bats, five hits, two doubles, a home run, three RBI. Uh, bat three thirty three throughout his his time in the tournament. Um, Maybe that'll get him a spot in the uh, back in the majors. I think we, we said he's playing for the Atlantic League, right? We uh, we determined earlier in the podcast last couple episodes ago. I think he was playing for the Long Island Ducks pretty Crazy. recently. <laughs> um, I don't know if you remember this player, Dilson Herrera. One of, oh yeah, second baseman, right? Second baseman, yeah. Him and Tejada shared a middle infield for a little bit. Right. Uh, back in the mid, uh, the mid ten twenty tens. He played for Columbia. Um, and he actually, let's see, he played, hit four at bats with a home run and an RBI. Good for him. Um, and then the last little nugget I've got of a player is Ty Kelly, who played for Team Israel. Um, and he he had six at bats, no hits though. Damn. Um, another big thing in the World Baseball Classic that happened this week was Puerto Rico's almost perfect game. Um, and a walk-off 10-run victory. Uh, both things that don't really happen very often. Uh, I don't I don't think there's ever been a walk-off 10-run win in baseball history. I actually thought it was a typo when I saw the alert on my phone. Um, this is because of the mercy rule, right? That's right. In the eighth inning, they, uh, they hit the mercy rule. Uh, Are there other mercy rule uh, cutoffs? Because I feel like I saw a, an image somewhere of some team being another team in five innings. Yeah, that was South Korea beat China 22 to two, I believe. And that was in five innings. So I, I th- it's a couple different rules. If you're up at like 15 after, I, I guess, five innings or so. And then I think it's 10 after seven innings. Um, I think there's some nuance to it, but that's more or less the gist. So yeah, Korea beat China 22 runs in only five innings. That's pretty pretty good what's the purpose of that though like why why implement a mercy rule i think save the pitchers in a tournament that again doesn't affect the major leagues and uh also who wants to watch a 10 nothing game in the ninth inning i guess or a 22-1 game in after five it's a baseball there's no clock anything can happen right but geez i know there's a clock now steve what are you talking about there's a clock in baseball now (laughs) Good point. Better watch it. Um, but also the perfect game. Uh, it was also originally reported that they hit a per- they pitched a perfect game. Uh, they did not pitch a perfect game for anybody who's keeping score at home. Uh, perfect game by definition has to be at least nine innings because of the mercy rule. They were only able to get through eight, but they pitched eight perfect innings, including a clean inning by Edwin Diaz um, and a three for three effort with a walk and three RBIs by Francisco Lindor. So go, uh, go Mets. Go Mets. I mean, Lind- I saw Lindor's stat line uh, during the game last night. He- he's batting 500 during, <laughs> during this WBC. Hey, he's back with Javi, and he's, uh, he's enjoying his game. Yeah, for what it's worth, he's playing very well. He got a very long single uh, last night as well. <laughs> uh, people are saying inside the park home run. It-, it is not. Again, great for him but yeah it was very poor errors on the part of the dominican team but he it was a single a, it turned out to be a single scored, yeah scored on a single yeah i mean there was I, the announcers at least the the english announcers were very excited that he ran all the way around but as someone who just watched some very bad fundies i was thinking i mean what did you expect to happen it was a hop to the center fielder and just 
under his glove, rolled straight to the backstop, and then he got it in, and then I think the third baseman bobbled it on the cutoff as well. So, yeah, so, four fundies. Just Keith Hernandez rolling over in his bed. <laughs> Definitely, don't, don't 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 put him down like that yet. <laughs> Um, I think the most impressive thing for me, though, was uh, Venezuela sweeping that that group stage. Um, that that group had Venezuela, Puerto Rico, uh, DR, Israel, and Nicaragua, and Venezuela a tough group beat all four of them, and so they secured their spot in the quarterfinals, um, and they'll be playing the U.S. Um, for that game. That, that's a that's a pretty tough group. Just to be able to beat Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic um, is impressive. Yeah. Regardless of who's, if you know, Nicaragua and Israel obviously are not the same caliber, but that's still damn impressive. I mean, D- the DR team was, I-, I feel like, heavily favored. I can't believe they didn't make it out of the grouper stage. They, they just lost. They lost at the wrong time. Um, I mean, they, they had Sandy Alcantara go in their first game. I think he gave up like three or four runs to the Venezuela team. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Venezuela didn't have, didn't have, didn't have Wilmer Flores. I was looking forward to seeing Wilmer Flores on that team. One thing I've really enjoyed in the World Baseball Classic so far, and I'm surprised by this, um, is getting to watch Tim Anderson play baseball. I don't get to see a lot of him. I, you know, I watch mainly the Mets, and the Mets don't play the American League Central super often. Obviously, I've seen Tim, Tim Anderson's stat line all the time, um, and I know he's a fantastic player. But I get to watch him play the way he plays defense, the way he hits the ball. It's absolutely amazing. He just tears the cover off it plays with so much energy on defense his swing is smooth mm. it's been exciting to get to watch him play um yeah i never like i never really had the same chance i really like the observation yeah because it's again all these players who you hear about just because you follow mlb as as we do but you know if you're not watching every game you don't really see how they approach the game or how how good they are in defense deep right because you don't Defensive stats, I don't know anyone who reads defensive stats and tries to make a qualification about a player. Yeah. Yeah, defense is one of those things you just have to watch them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he seems like a good player, so I'm excited yeah. to see more of him as well. And he's also playing out of position in a lot of the games. He's been playing second base a bunch, um, and it's just pretty. Like it's, he, He's just such a smooth fielder that it's fun to watch. He's usually a shortstop, right? That's right. Yeah. And I think that's like, 230 from like in the seat i mean 330 during the seasons he's he's a great hitter like contact and like on like batting average hitter um and a fantastic defender now we'll get to see him though we get to play the white Sox a little bit that's true yeah everybody everybody plays everybody i wonder how our metsies our u.s metsies are playing um alonzo has been bad i think he's 0 for 9 so far um one thing i've noticed at least the games i've watched it seems like he keeps coming up to lead off the innings, which is just frustrating. Like, it seems like there's people in position, and then I think Arenado's been batting in front of him and just happens to make the last out. Um, but yeah, he's not doing well. I don't think McNeil's doing very well either for them. That looks like McNeil has is one for eight. Yeah, not great. Not great. Not great. No strike. Pete has four strikeouts through his nine at bats. Seems like Pete was really excited for the world baseball classic and, you know, counter to Nimmo, he really wanted to play for team USA and like get his chance and like play for the country. I mean, I don't blame him at all. And it seems like he's just, I don't know if he's swinging too hard or something, but he's just in his head. He's really trying to just, you know, hit dingers or he's, he's trying to make his spot known. You know, he's, 
I don't know if the pressure's getting to him or something, but I think he'll be fine for the season. I think you're right. I think just got to warm up, and if he stop once he stops pressing, he'll be fine. Um, I thought I, I also did. I think I thought Nimmo was going to play for Team Italy. I, I think you're right. Nemo was going to play for Team Italy. I think uh, Ray misidentified him as the U.S. earlier, but he was playing for Team Italy before he pulled out. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so it kind of wraps up our World Baseball Classic talk. Um, before we end the podcast, let's get back to our trivia question. So do you anybody have any guesses, or should I throw out an initial hint? What do, you, what do we think? I'm leaning between like a Daniel Murphy or Wilmer Flores. Like I feel like both solid guesses. I feel like it's like one of those like weird someone recent like I don't know how long Murphy was on the I feel like they were both on the team for three years. Wilmer Flores has done some like weird stats like that that I don't know how he could just but Danny Murphy I feel like hit more home runs. How about you, Eric? What do you Are got? we gonna be surprised by this by this answer? I think you'll be a little surprised, yeah. I think he's an off B player. You'll know okay. his name, but he's an off B player. And it's it's during our lifetime that we've seen this player playing. Yeah, yes. I, I'll say he debuted and started his streak with the Mets in 2004. Ah, okay. That's 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 the that's the hint. That's the hint. Ray, so any... <laughs> Ray what, what do you got? I was going to go with Curtis Granderson. Incorrect, as you as I said. Um, all right, so I'll give the answer if anybody ever is done quite guessing. I'm going to guess um, Jose Valentin. That's a good guess. He got a, he got a cycle with us, right? Not sure. Probably not. I don't know. I feel like it was just Reyes. So the answer is Kaz Matsui. I was gonna <laughs> fucking say Kaz Matsui, he, oh. and I believe in his first at bat in his mid majors, he had a home run in 2004. He had a home run in 2005 to start his season. Um, he was injured in 2006 and started mid year. He came back. Mm. And hit it inside the park home run in his first at back, no with no errors. It was a legitimate inside the park home run, and that gave him the streak of three home run a home run in each of his first at bats for three seasons in a row, tying Ken Griffey Jr. That's amazing. That's wow. amazing. I, I like that you added the the right. It, it didn't have to be the, the beginning of the season. It could have been his right, injury. Right. It's just his just first at bat of the season. First at bat of the season. Very important distinction. That was a very good trivia question, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. So someone else has got to do one next week. We'll keep the trivia coming and all our listeners can play along as well. Um, as they, as, as if any, they if anybody it. got that, you know, give us a shout out. I'd love Please. to hear if anybody figured that out before we, before we gave it. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll even take trivia questions. We'll even take trivia questions uh, to our to our mail inbox if you if oh absolutely so inclined. yeah i'd love to love um, to be, be unfortunately we, we don't we're not sponsored by spectrum so we don't um or any other Mets sponsor on sny so we don't have any prize money to give away yeah right. <laughs> you, we'll give you a shout out if you uh if you told us you got it right yeah honor system but you know <laughs> don't lie find me at opening day i'll buy you a beer <laughs> all right well i think with that trivia um and our world baseball classic recap um that i'll wrap up this week's episode i gotta say i'm feeling a little bit lighter from the first half you know now we were able to talk about non-edwin diaz things but i imagine that we'll feel better as the week goes on um and as more good things will happen to the mets i'm sure talk about your feelings it's good to talk about your feelings i definitely need to get it out i've been holding it all day um 
So again, uh, as always, any trivia questions, comments, fan mail, hate mail, please shoot us a line at foolishlyfaithfulmetspot at gmail.com. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, and on behalf of Steve, David, and Ray, I am Eric signing off, and we will see you next week.